Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Family Wealth and Other Musings. I'm your host, Becky Easton. Today is Thursday, August 18th, and this is a show that aims to bring you a little bit of legal content every day, mostly focused on discussing your life, legacy, and your business, but also other musings as I go on about life. So with the quick disclaimer that unless we have an agreement in place, I'm not your lawyer and nothing I say should be construed as legal, financial, business, or tax advice because I don't know anything about your unique situation. We'll jump right back into talking about critical considerations in saving for your child or grandchild's college education. So this content is also actually available, I forgot to mention it yesterday, um, but it is available on our blog which you can find at familywealthsecrets.eastonlawpllc.com. If you have started to save for your child or grandchild's college education, it's worth considering whether to use a 529 plan, an education savings account, or an irrevocable trust. And yesterday, I talked about 529 plans and education savings accounts, which are both popular options for saving for college education. And one of the main reasons for their popularity is their tax savings advantages. The money you contribute to a 529 account grows on a tax deferred basis and withdrawals are tax free, provided they're used for qualified education expenses like tuition, room and board, and other education related fees. But with that said, one of the downsides of 529 plans is that they come with strict limits on how you can use the funds. They can only be used for education-related expenses. And they also have a limited range of options for how you can invest your funds, primarily in various mutual funds. And for these reasons, 529 plans and education savings accounts aren't always the best fit for some families looking to save for their loved one's education. And as I briefly touched on yesterday, an alternative way to save for your kiddo's higher education is by using an irrevocable trust. Although there isn't any income tax deferral on income earned by the assets held by these trusts, it is possible to structure a trust so that your beneficiaries could qualify for financial aid that they may otherwise be ineligible for with the 529 plan. Depending on your situation, qualifying for financial aid may prove even more valuable than savings on the income taxes owed on income earned by the the trust. So in addition to the issue of qualifying for financial aid, another benefit of such trusts is that you can not only save for a single child or grandchild's education, you can structure your trust to provide a pool of funds for the education of all family members. Moreover, when creating the trust, Education can be broadly defined to include any type of learning institution or organization, such as trade schools, educational workshops, community college, and private academies, just to name a few options. And additionally, you can provide that the trust can pay for alternative education, such as travel, retreats, business building programs, and other non-traditional educational experiences, which may prove even more valuable than college. So when you decide to set aside money to educate your family with an education trust, you get to decide exactly how your beneficiaries can use the funds by what is most in alignment with your family values. And as a part of creating your education trust, your attorney will work with you to create a written set of guidelines for the trustee. 
who will be the person making decisions regarding distributions to the beneficiaries. And when it comes to how the trust is set up, you can create an education trust that is built into your revocable living trust or your will, and that would not be registered and funded until your death. Or you can create an education trust that exists and is funded during and throughout your lifetime. And in either case, the disbursements from the trust are designated for a beneficiary or a pool of beneficiaries education. While you can stipulate how and when the funds are to be distributed inside the terms of the trust agreement itself, I would almost always lean towards providing the trustee with broad distribution authority and discretion to maximize the asset protection benefits of the trust and create a separate writing to provide guidelines on distributions. And then give a trusted person or group of people the right to remove and replace the trustee with someone else should your first choice not work out for any reason. Then when it comes to tax implications, where a single trust is established for multiple beneficiaries, you can require the assets to be distributed in a number of ways. You can stipulate that the funds are to be divided equally among the beneficiaries, disperse the funds in a set amount by percentage, or you can leave the decision as to how much each beneficiary receives to the trustee's discretion. Education trusts typically aren't set up as tax savings vehicles, as, the, as is the case with the traditional 529 plan. That said, as I noted earlier, 529 plans have much more restrictive rules for how their funds can be used. Moreover, you could save on taxes with the trust if it's drafted in a way that allows the trust's income to be taxed at your beneficiary's rate, which could be significantly lower than your personal tax rate. That income would be taxed at trust tax rates, which could be higher than the beneficiary's rate, and possibly even higher than your personal tax rate. So it's important you are clear about whether income should be distributed before year's end for each year the trust earns income. If you establish an irrevocable trust for education purposes, make sure you consider all of the tax impacts on income earned by the trust. For example, the trust would be taxed on income not distributed by year's end, but you can have the trust drafted to pay out all income to the beneficiary or include other provisions that cause the trust to be taxed to the beneficiary, even if the income is retained. And as with anything, there are a few potential problems to keep in mind. If the education trust is irrevocable, meaning that the gift cannot be taken back, and the amount contributed each year is less than the annual gift tax exemption, which is 16000 in 2022, then there will be no gift tax return required to be filed. On the flip side, if the gift to the trust exceeds that amount, then you will need to file a gift tax return reporting the gift and using up part of your lifetime exemption of 12.06 million if you're single and 24.12 million if you're married filing jointly. And since there are so many variables involved and different ways to set up an education trust, it's vital to reach out to a personal family lawyer or someone otherwise who's trained in setting these types of trusts up. We'll walk you step-by-step step through all of your options and help you determine what's best for your unique situation. There is one other alternative to these plans, both the 529 plans and education trusts, and that's to use money that has been saved for other purposes, such as funds you've saved for your retirement. However, 
It's important to note that using your retirement funds can actually affect your kids' eligibility for various need-based financial aid programs because you'd be required to report these funds on the free application for federal student aid, or the FAFSA, as additional income. And as a result, when you're considering using retirement funds, the expected family contribution used from FAFSA will be higher, which therefore can reduces your kids' chances of qualifying for financial assistance. Be sure to consult with your financial advisor or personal family lawyer if you choose to tap into your retirement savings to fund college expenses. You want to ensure that it's done right and will have the maximum benefit for everyone involved. And as a general rule, guys, don't do it yourself. Tap into your advisors, your financial advisor, your CPA, or your personal family lawyer to ensure you're doing everything thoughtfully. Don't try to make these decisions on your own. If you're in Arizona or Colorado and find that this is something you'd like to discuss further with me, you can hop on my calendar for a 15-minute call by calling my front desk at 480-999-4455 or going directly to bit.ly forward slash call Easton Law. And if you're not in Arizona or Colorado, you can find a personal family lawyer near you by going to personalfamilylawyer.com. Family Wealth and Other Musings is now available for download on most platforms. So wherever you get your podcasts, you can find me. And if you felt so inclined to support the show by liking, following, subscribing, donating, or leaving a review, I really would appreciate it. You'll be helping to boost the show and help more people find me and also helping me talk to more people. Also, if you ever have an idea for an episode or something you'd like to hear more about, I am all ears. So thank you again for listening in today, this Thursday, August 18th. This has been Family Wealth and Other Musings, and I'm your host, Becky Easton. Have a great day. I will talk to you tomorrow.